turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Isaiah. Foreigner, eunuch, outcast, whoever comes to me, surrenders your life to me, I'm going to welcome you and give you a name better than sons and daughters. He says, I'm going to bring you to my holy mountain and give you my joy in my house. And God appeals to the people who felt excluded, who, who felt estranged, who felt distant from God. And he says, my arms are open wide. My arms are open wide. You ever felt like this? Have you ever felt like you don't belong, like you're not good enough to be accepted by others? In today's edition of Cornerstone Connection, Pastor Gary talks about how Jesus Christ accepts everyone with open arms, no matter how much they have sinned. Jesus doesn't care about your past mistakes or your current circumstances. He just wants to wrap you in His loving embrace and welcome you into His family. So if you're feeling lost or alone, turn to Jesus. He's waiting for you with open arms. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Isaiah, chapter 56, as he continues his message... All are welcome. Paul would write in Galatians 3, 8 and 9, he says, The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. Paul quotes in Galatians 3 from, from Genesis twenty two eighteen, And so Paul says, So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. You see this, this prejudice and this exclusive kind of club mentality even, even among some of the giants of the faith, the Apostle Peter. The Apostle Peter, for example, he struggled with this. I mean, as a Jew, he was proud of his Jewish heritage, which is fine. But traditionally, that pride would lead to prejudice. And, and so he even had a problem with Gentiles in regards to how they got saved. And we know this because it's revealed to us in Acts chapter 10. And I'll just summarize the story in Acts chapter 10. So what we have in Acts 10 is Peter, who is hanging out in this port city along the Mediterranean called Joppa. Uh, and it's a, it's a beautiful town uh, still today. I've been there a few times. And the Bible says that he's up on the roof of a home, because the roof was usually an extension of a house in those days. And he, and he goes up to the roof of the house to pray. But it says in Acts 10, as he starts to pray, he gets hungry. Can anybody relate to that? When you start to pray, your mind starts wandering to everything. I got to pay bills. I'm really ha- hungry. Do we have turkey or ham in the refrigerator? And so, you know, you go through all of this. So, 
So Peter's getting hungry, and so it says that he fell into a trance. So it's something between like low blood sugar and a nap, you know, and he's, you know what I'm talking about. You've been in that like hazy kind of, and he's, and the NIV uses the word trance. He falls into a trance, and God gives him a vision. Now, God's going to give him a vision to address, to confront this prejudice in Peter's heart. And in the vision, the vision is of this sheet, this bed sheet being lowered down from heaven by the four corners of the sheet. And inside the sheet, the Bible says, are all kinds of unclean animals, non-kosher animals. Uh, and it doesn't specifically say what, but we know the list in the Bible, so it, it probably included, you know, ham and, and uh, you know, ravens are unclean bird and rabbits are unclean animals. And, and so, you know, he's got, here comes his vision, all these different things. And, and it was not kosher to eat these things. And, and in the vision, God says to Peter, get up, kill, and eat these things. Now, that was not kosher for him as a Jew. I can't eat unclean animals. By the way, I was a little while ago having lunch with a man that I've become friends with who's a Jewish rabbi, Orthodox Jewish rabbi, does not believe or accept Jesus as Messiah. I'm working on him. Um, but, he, <laughs> but he pastors a church in, in Washington, D.C., and he and I were having lunch together. And so I'm gently kind of, he actually came here, snuck into church one time and told me later, so I don't know if he happened to be here, but um, but you know, so I'm just kind of gently prodding him about things. And, and he does the same to me. And I said, uh, why? Because we're eating lunch together and he ordered a strict kosher meal. And I said, now tell me, tell me, why do you eat kosher? And he looked at me and he said, you know what? I have no idea. <laughs> anyway, to carry over some things we do tradition, you know, tradition. Anyway, I won't sing the whole play, but, um, you can thank me later. But anyway, Peter, Peter is told by God, get up and eat these things. And he takes pride in his Jewish heritage. And in Acts chapter 10, 14 and 15, he says, surely not I, replied Peter. He says, I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. Nothing, nothing non-kosher has come across my lips. And the voice spoke to him a second time, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Now, now, what is God doing in this vision? What God is doing is trying to get Peter to realize for a long time, you've been looking at certain people as unclean, just like you look at certain foods as unclean. I just want you to know that whatever I determine is clean is clean. Stop looking at those dirty Gentiles as dirty Gentiles, because I died for them too. To make a long story short, God tells Peter, I want you to go to the house of Cornelius, this Gentile Roman centurion, and I want you to go share the gospel with him. And so Peter goes. And a whole bunch of details I'm leaving out, but the end of the story is that when, when Peter goes, gives Cornelius and his family the good news of Jesus Christ, died on the cross, rose again, that Cornelius and his whole household believe now, under normal circumstances, Peter would never have even gone into the home of a Gentile. I'm, I'm a part of an exclusive club. You guys have to come through us. We don't really associate with you. But see, God is stretching and helping him to realize, this, this guy I died for too. Everybody's equally unclean, and only God makes us clean. So go ahead, and I want you to share the good news. He goes into the house of Cornelius. They believe the message, they get saved. And then Peter says something in Acts 10, 34 and 35, 
that is important to this whole story. And he says this, I now realize that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear God and do what is right. And he comes to this personal epiphany. And he realizes these barriers between people, man, I I have felt like I'm part of an exclusive club and I have felt like certain people are excluded from even getting into this club. And he says, I now realize. I'm going to put the verse on the screen for you. I want us to say it all out loud and together. Just say this with me out loud. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. And isn't this in part what Isaiah is saying here 700 years before Peter? In Isaiah 56, verse 7, the latter part of verse 7, where God says, For my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. This is about all people. Nobody should feel like they belong to an exclusive club And neither should anybody feel excluded. God is saying, I died for all, that all might be saved, as many as believe in him. To them that received him, God gave the right to become sons and daughters of his. This is is an all-open invitation. Now, not everybody will respond to it, but this is an all-open invitation. And we need to be searching our own hearts because, you know, those kind of little subtle prejudices or, or this little kind of exclusive mindset that, you know, well, we're, we're kind of the church or we're Christians or we're, or we're this or we're that. And we can develop this kind of clubhouse mentality like the little rascals only in a, in a, in a bad, a sinful way, not just, a, you know, a 1937 comedy. And we need to ask ourselves, you know, do, do we have an exclusive prejudicial view of what the church should look like? Do you think that the church should only be made up of people who look like you? Because God doesn't. Now, let me just say this as part, of, as part of going through this text here. I think it's a dangerous thing sometimes that pastors do when they use the pulpit just for the purpose of driving home some point, some pet peeve, almost like they use the Bible like a weapon to just kind of, you know, beat up the flock a little bit about something. And, and it, it happens. I've, I've heard it happen from time to time. You know what I'm talking about. I'll give you an example. It's like, it's like so some pastor hears about a bunch of, of gossip going on in the church during the week. And so you come Sunday and he's got a, a sermon on fire on the topic of gossip. And the sermon's entitled, I hope your tongue falls out. You know, that kind of a thing. Uh, or, or he hears a bunch of people were getting drunk during the week. And so that next Sunday, he's going to hammer hard on all the verses about drunkenness. And the sermon is entitled, I hope your liver withers. You know, and that kind of a thing. And so that's a, that's a dangerous thing to kind of be targeting. You know, I mean, that, that dog will bark every single Sunday if you just want to follow one issue after another after another and then just tailor your sermons to just kind of be driving home a point. I think there's danger in that. One of, one of the built-in beauties of doing what we do here at Cornerstone, of going straight through the Bible, just, we're just going cover to cover, is that, you know, I don't, I don't have to address little things along the way. All of God's Word is going to address all of it. And at some point, if you're here long enough, you're going to hear every single issue addressed, and it'll hit you as it comes up, and it'll hit me as it comes up, too. But every once in a while, 
Every once in a while, it just so happens that you come to the text that we're just going chapter by chapter, theme by theme, and it, and it happens to align with some matter at hand that can serve to be a teaching moment for us. Because something happened last Sunday that I want to mention. Now, I'm going to mention this, and I, and I want to preface my remarks by first saying this. I shared this story in the first service, and someone came up to one of our pastors and said, I think this has to do with my family, and let me explain the extenuating circumstances. And when we heard out the, the, the situation, uh, we came to the conclusion we don't think that this is their story because the details didn't line up. So I don't know whose story this is, and it really doesn't matter because I don't, I don't know who this applies to. I have no idea. But it's a good teaching moment for all of us. Okay? So I get this email during the week, and this person made an observation. I won't say the person's name. I'm reading it without their permission, but I, th- I thought it was an important email that we received. And so I want to share this with you. So this person writes, we got this on Monday of this past week. He says, I just want to pass along an observation that my wife and I, and presumably quite a number of individuals behind us made during Sunday's 10 a.m. service, just in case something is said later. We were sitting in the front row of one of the back sections of the sanctuary. So this occurred directly in front of us. There was a slightly elderly couple, Caucasian, sitting in the back row of one of the lower left sections, and there were three open seats to their left. Service was full and open seats were minimal. At one point after worship, when all were seated, three individuals, two women and a man of African-American descent, came in and sat in the three seats to the left of the elderly couple. Within seconds... The couple got out of their seats and moved to two empty seats along the floor between the lower and upper sections. Both my wife and I noticed what had happened, and the two African-American women were obviously confused as they kept looking to see where the two individuals had moved to. There very well may have been legitimate circumstances as to why the couple changed seats, this person writes. But the appearance to my wife and I, and presumably quite a few people behind us, was not good. Now, I I appreciate this person sending the email, and the fact of the matter is, this is not the only person that I heard this from. I also was made aware of this by, by someone else who observed the situation. And let me just say this, I do hope that there were extenuating circumstances. And let's just believe the best and say that there were. But For the purpose of all of us learning as a matter of sensitivity, for the purpose of all of us, let's just say that they got up and moved because some people of a different race sat down next to them. I won't go so far as to say that couple isn't welcome here because the fact of the matter is they need Jesus and they need to hear this sermon, so they need to be here. But I will go so far as to say that if indeed it happened because it was a racial issue, that kind of prejudice will not be tolerated here ever. (laughs) 
God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. And so should we. The elders fall down at the feet of Jesus in the book of Revelation, in Revelation 5, 9, and they sing a song, and part of the song is, you were slain, and with your blood you purchased men for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Heaven isn't going to look just like you. It's going to look like all of us together. So let's start practicing heaven now. Again, I hope it was just an innocent thing, and I don't know who it applies to. It doesn't even matter because it's a good learning point for all of us. This is not an exclusive club, and no one is to be excluded. And we have to guard our own hearts. Again, you know, Peter had, had issues with it too. And it's not the only time it creeps up with Peter. Ten years later in Galatians chapter 2, Peter is hanging out with some Gentiles eating pulled pork barbecue. Okay, that part it doesn't say in the Bible. But he's hanging out with Gentiles. And some of his Jewish friends come in the room, and Peter gets up and moves away from the Gentiles like he doesn't even know them. And Paul says, I opposed him to his face because he was clearly in the wrong. So it, this, this thing can sneak up on any of us. And we have to be really careful that we understand the heart of God, that there's no exclusive club and no one is excluded, that God sent his son Jesus to die for all because God loves all, and as many as received him and believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And we need to share the heart of our Father as it relates to every single one of us. Well, there's more to this story. I don't want to end on that because the other half of this story is not, this is not just a warning to those who feel exclusive with God. This is also a welcome to those who feel excluded from God. So in the last couple of minutes, I just want to focus on that. If you go back here to your text in, in Isaiah 56, forgive me, but I'm going to read again verses 3 through 8 because it, this is an appeal to those who feel excluded. And as I read this, I want to appeal to some of you that maybe perhaps feel excluded too, where you for a long time or a short time, for whatever amount of time, feel like God can't really accept you and that God doesn't really love you. I want you to read this and I want you to put yourself in this story and I want you to hear the heart of God for you. Isaiah 56 verse 3. Let no foreigner, and by that word foreigner just simply means any non-Jew, let no foreigner who has bound himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let not any unit complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says. To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to serve Him, to love the name of the Lord, and to worship Him, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it, and who hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. 
Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. The sovereign Lord declares, he who gathers the exiles, some translations, outcasts of Israel, I will gather still others to them besides those already gathered. Now, do you hear with me what he says here to the foreigner and to the eunuch and to the outcast? For those who, the phrase that he uses here, who bind themselves to the Lord. Okay, in other words, those who have relationship with it. In New Testament terms, we'd say for those who have, you know, surrendered their lives to Jesus. He, he basically says, foreigner, eunuch, outcast, whoever comes to me, surrenders your life to me, I'm going to welcome you and give you a name better than sons and daughters. He says, I'm going to bring you to my holy mountain and give you my joy in my house. And God appeals to the people who felt excluded, who who felt estranged, who felt distant from God. And he says, my arms are open wide. My arms are open wide. You ever felt like this? Excluded, like like God can't possibly accept you? Like God can't possibly love you? And some of you, even now, I can hear in your head, you're probably saying things like, Pastor G, you have no idea, you have no idea what I've done. This can't poss- God can't possibly accept me, can't possibly love me. Listen, I don't know what you've done, and I don't need to know what you've done. But I, what I do know is that Jesus Christ died for all sins, no matter what you've done. And that he opens his arms to receive as many as would receive him and believe in his name. Do you think that Jesus died to make good people better? He didn't die to make good people better. He died to make bad people, sinful people, people with messed up lives. He died to make all of us new creatures in Christ. That's what he did. You don't have to clean yourself up and then hopefully God will accept you. You come with your sinful lives and all the baggage of the past, and you say, Lord, this is who I am. Thank you for dying for me, and thank you for receiving me. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 to 18, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old is gone. Behold, the new has come. And all this from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ. Because the Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us. The next verse, though, says, and are justified freely by the grace that comes through the redemption of Jesus Christ. So don't worry if you feel like, I feel unworthy. I don't feel good enough. The fact is, we're all unworthy. And none of us is good enough. But that's the good news. Because a good God died for those who weren't good enough. And paid the price with his own blood and welcomes all who would believe and receive. I saw one time on the side of a plumber's van the slogan of this plumbing company, and it said this, there is no job too deep, too dark, or too dirty for us. (laughs) And I thought to myself, what a great illustration of God's motto with us. None of us are too deep, dark, or dirty for the Lord, because He died for all, that all might receive Him as Lord and Savior. No exclusive club, and no one feeling excluded. Jesus died for all, that all might believe and receive. Amen? 
Thanks for listening to Cornerstone Connection. You've been listening to a message from the book of Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah was a man who lived during many kings' reigns. Perhaps the most well-known king during Isaiah's time was Hezekiah. Isaiah offered counsel and wisdom God had given him, encouraging these kings to continue following God. Some of them did, and others followed their own ways or the people's ways more than God's. Isn't it easy to slip into what the world around you is doing or saying, giving into their ways and rituals? This was the case then, and it's the case now. But what we can learn from Isaiah is that God can use people to speak truth. Did you know that getting together as a church family is one way that you can speak truth to one another? Here at Cornerstone Chapel, we get together each Sunday and Wednesday to learn from the Word and spend time in worship as sons and daughters of the King. It's a powerful time for us to learn together and fellowship together. We'd love for you to be a part of it. Find service times and directions by visiting our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. Thanks so much for listening and learning in the book of Isaiah on Cornerstone Connection. No place to go But still you know